At one time, the government would not permit you to watch Elvis Presley shake his hips on TV. It was too racy. Have you been to a grammar school lately? Because that's where the fight to save or destroy the culture really is. Literally, on the home front, separating parents from their children and submitting kids to the worst kinds of pressures and manipulations. And that's the truth. From TNN, the Truth News Network, with your host, Dan Newman. If you heard that last part of that introduction by Pete Boss, that's exactly where we are going today. Parents, people in positions of authority in every segment of our society, it just seems like now it's okay to just weaponize who you say you are, not who you are, but, oh, you know, I've, I'm so-and-so. I've got this power to... Determine these things. Say what's true. Say what's not true. Somebody needs to take authority over someone else for self-esteem or for maybe a feeling of, of power. I don't know what it is. But we're learning some things about living in America that we may have been living with for a long time and we just did not know it. One thing I'll point something out to you. You know, this horror show that played out last year and the year before on the school board and what school boards were doing regarding our children. They were pushing all kinds of personal agendas, school board unions agendas, and doing so quietly. And then we find out they're grooming many of our children to become trannies transgenders, hiding it from parents. And that's not happening just once or twice, dozens of times that we know about. And because we are certain that it's been happening far longer than we know, I pretty much guarantee you it's wider than we ever suspected. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, I know. On Tuesday, we keep waking up every day hoping that there's some stuff, some good stuff that came in, exposed all the bad and the evil, and we can just stop talking about it. Man, I pray that's going to happen. I doubt that it will. So what are we going to do? We're not going to sit around and say, oh, me all day. We're not going to gripe. We're not going to cry and scream and holler and point fingers. We're just going to go to work and stay at work. We can't quit. Just as soon as a generation of Americans become adults and they get their lives and their patterns kind of set, another generation comes along that needs to get the truth. And so we're going to have to make this a habit going forward. If we ever stop teaching righteousness, goodness, facts, If we ever stop the other side, the left, they're going to take over again, which they almost have done now. Good morning, everybody. Here we are. It's Tuesday and another set of stuff that we have to unpack. Tuesday means Steve Baker will be joining us later in this show. 
And uh, I'm going to ask him to come on a little bit earlier today for several reasons. But there are some things that have been out there for some time that it almost seems like somebody's trying to hide them. And so they quit talking about them. And then something else pops up and then it gets quiet again. There's some of those things out there that we're going to ask Steve to weigh in on. And in the meantime, we're going to do what we do best every day. We're going to go. I'm going to relax for just a few minutes. And let's start that, oh, I don't know, about right now.
what I don't like about these kind of days, these kind of times, and the cycle between elections. You know, every four years we have a presidential election, and then every two years, including that four-year presidential election, we have to have congressional elections. Everybody in the House of Representatives either has to leave or they have to rerun for those offices every two years. And in this environment, which we find ourselves today in politics, I wouldn't want to be a member of the House of Representatives because if you want to stay there, you got to stay in a perpetual fundraising process. Besides doing all the work that you do in Washington, D.C., you got to spend a lot of time back home campaigning because before you know it, bang, you got another election. And if you want to keep your seat, you got to make sure everybody in your district is comfortable where you are. And if they're not, you want to explain to them and help them understand why you're doing the things that you're doing. I would never want to find myself in that situation. And I don't understand why anybody wants to do that, especially in perpetuity. There are people in the House of Representatives that have been there 20, 25 years, 30 years. Oh my gosh, that's like going to the dentist every day. Well, before Steve Baker joins us this morning, there are some issues that I want to bring out and discuss with you. You remember Circle Back, old Circle Back, Jen Saki. Jen Saki. Circle Back Saki. She's the one that coined that term and we used it quite a bit. Well, she left the White House as communications director, press agent, whatever you want to call them. And she's at MSNBC. And from my perspective, here's what I would say about that move from the White House to MSNBC. It was almost like you decided to find the worst place you could go and dove into it. MSNBC, folks, in news and media, is the absolute garbage dump. And Jen Psaki has a way with words. Now, when she's in a position of authority, remember all those White House briefings that we saw her up front standing and pontificating and talking down to anybody that disagreed with her. It's one thing to do that, and it's another to go on a show and be on a show all by yourself. Now, you think about that. If you're in the White House briefing room, you got 50, 60, 70 people in there with you, and you're who they're all giving their attention to, and you have total authority over who can speak, who can get to answer questions. In other words, you're in charge. At MSNBC, even though they have very few people that are watching her show, there's still people out there, and this is a national network, even though it's a cable network, TV series or show, whatever you want to call her show. I can't even think of the name of her show. I've never watched the whole show. It's nauseating. But nevertheless, she has to find ways because she's with MSNBC, to follow the company line, to push the company line. And so what is MSNBC's company line? It's to destroy every Republican in office in every way you can imagine and come up with to do so. And of course, she's an attack dog. She learns very quickly 
how to attack anybody that disagrees with her or someone she disagrees with. But she has gone bonkers over one thing. And I'm going to do something now. Before we even get deep into the show, I want to do this because I want you to hear Jen Psaki in all her glory. (laughs) This is what she does, and I want you to listen to the context as she explains, and she's giving her opinion on things. And I'm thinking about, before I start this audio file, I'm thinking, what I'm going to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let her talk, and then I'm going to periodically stop, and I'm going to analyze the previous few sentences or the thought that she put out there. This is critical. This is critical for everybody to understand. This is the messaging. This is the way the left message nationally. Ladies and gentlemen, circle back. Jen Psaki. Since the height of the COVID pandemic, schools, teachers, and administrators have all become the target of right-wing anger. First, it was the restrictions to co- their reaction to COVID restrictions, which then morphed into outrage over the teaching of race and identity and outrage over CRT, critical race theory, which rapidly turned our education system into the front line of the right's ongoing culture war. That anger no doubt sparked the rise of organizations now focused on taking over school boards, pulling books from the shelves, and changing curriculums in schools across the country. Now, the parents, they all of a sudden decided, we're right-wing activists, and we've got to find somebody out there to go after. That's what she just put out there. She, That was the basis of for what you just heard her claim. And then she morphed from that into, so they've got to find groups to put together so they can really become right-wing activists, her term. Now, do you think a bunch of parents were out there and they were just looking for ways to go out and beat up on leftists? No. Conservatives don't do that. I wish that would happen more, but conservatives don't do that. But here's what Jen Psaki has portrayed, and let me say this, she knew exactly what she was doing. This is the way divisiveness from the left is pushed out among anybody that is like-minded. This is a call. This is a call to go after. What she didn't bother to tell us is that all of a sudden parents woke up and realized they were teaching sexual things to kindergarten talking about the actual sex act, talking about all things to go along with sex, and then don't even bring in the trans-grooming that is going on in public schools that parents didn't know about. If the school boards and the teachers and the administrators at all these schools were honest with parents and gave them the total picture, it would not have been a sudden thing that parents had to start doing. So Jen Psaki made a point there, and the only part of that point that she made that is true is that parents woke up. Let's keep going. 
According to a 2022 report from a nonprofit that tracks censorship in America, 70% of those organizations were formed in about an 18-month period, beginning at the start of 2021. Among the largest of these new groups, which you may have heard of, is Moms for Liberty. And it's recently become something of a political powerhouse. Just a few weeks ago, they hosted five Republican presidential candidates, including the frontrunners, Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. They all came out for Moms for Liberty. Hold on there. She's making that a big deal, that all of a sudden, this not-for-profit, Moms for Liberty, she didn't mention anything about the name or what they were all about, but she made it appear like all of a sudden they just showed up. They decided, hey, we don't have anything to do at home. We don't have to be regular moms anymore. We got to find something else to do. So why don't we do this? Why don't we just get into uh, national politics? Why don't we get into doing whatever is necessary to get our two cents out there for the 2024 election. And so we'll make some phone calls and we'll get five national candidates that are running for president. Surely they'll come talk to we moms. That's the landscape that Jen Psaki is purposely drawing before she goes into attack mode. Are you ready? Now, the group has declared itself as a nonpartisan organization, and its name does sound innocuous enough. Moms, great, sounds good. Liberty, awesome. Who doesn't like liberty? Moms for liberty. As the mom of two young kids, that even sounds good to me. But it's vague enough that even some of its own members are pretty unclear as to what the group is really all about, what, what they're a part of. One mom who became treasurer of an Indiana chapter was even quoted asking, what am I a part of? I need to know these things. Fair question. Well, I'm here to help. I'm here to help you. Because as benign as Moms for Liberty may sound, its agenda is unmistakably extreme. For instance, you may not know that Moms for Liberty has been helping to lead the movement in pulling books from the library shelves. Okay, here we go. She loaded the gun. She's ready to pull the trigger. And she's targeting these moms that are pushing to pull these books out of libraries. Nobody, nobody should do that. If anybody wants to take a book out of a library, why are they doing that? It's because they're hardcore right-wing extremists and they don't want facts in the hands of their kids. And she continued including classics like The Bluest Eye, great book, The Kite Runner, amazing book, and Mouse, as well as other books that deal with race, diversity, and sexuality. You throw all those gobbledygook words in there, race, sexual, all of those things, history, you throw those in, and, and, and that makes your opinion seem to be justified. But it's not in context. She's leaving out the whys. She's not asking or answering the whys. Why are these moms doing it? The group has turned school board meetings into unruly shouting matches. As an attendee at one Florida meeting described, quote, they turn around and scream at me that I am a commie and teachers want to see all kids fail. This group brings out the worst in people. <laughs> Jen Saki hadn't been to one of those meetings. Or she would have told you she had. But she did tell you, let me tell you, I know who these people are. And then she launches 
strictly based upon her own opinion. I've seen some of these school board meetings. We all have. This was back when it first became evident that the school boards had turned away from being educator supporters and started being far-left political hacks, shoving all this crap down the throats of our babies and hiding it from moms and dads. Moms and dads should go to school board meetings. And when they're teaching this crap that we're talking about and she's trying to make okay, she didn't mention the books that were being pulled out of there once it was identified. They were tree, uh, teaching transphobia, not transphobia, but transgender and transitioning and teaching to hide it from moms and dads. But Saki's, she's on a cause, and it's MSNBC's cause, and it's the left's cause. So methodology, what is their methodology? Whatever it takes, just go do it. The group says this work, all of this shouting, is the work of joyful warriors, is what they call it. Sounds a lot more to me like pretty aggressive harassment. And that behavior is not isolated. It's part of a bigger pattern. Chapters and members across the country have led campaigns targeting community active advocates, school board members, and opposing groups. They have repeatedly sent intimidating messages, openly threatened officials, and even baselessly leveled charges of child abuse and sympathizing with pedophilia. Those are not baseless charges or allegations. There are teachers that have been prosecuted for pedophilia and are in jail today because groups like this open the eyes of educators and administrators that either were ignoring it, didn't know about it, or were hiding it. But that doesn't fit her narrative. She's got to demonize conservatives. Unbelievably, an Indiana chapter even put out a newsletter that quoted Adolf Hitler, saying, quote, he alone who owns the youth gains the future. That is a Hitler quote. And let me tell you what the context of that newsletter and that, that line from Hitler was. And Jen Psaki didn't bother to read the rest of it and tell you. In the newsletter, they used the Hitler quote because in their opinion, that's what these educators are doing. They are trying to replicate what Hitler did when he said, you give me those kids when they're young and they'll always, always be Nazis. We should never let the truth get in the way of a good narrative, should we? And while they eventually apologized, the organization seemed to later regret that apology. There's always a reason why something happens, right? Yes. One of our moms in a newsletter posts Hitler. Woo! I stand with that mom. Yes. Standing by a mom who quotes Hitler in a newsletter. People cheering for that. That's what you just saw. And as for their claim that they are just a group of concerned, nonpartisan moms who happen to care about liberty, consider this. 
One of the founders, whose name is notably omitted from its website, is a current Republican school board member who is married to the now chairman of the Florida Republican Party. In 2021, he told The Washington Post, quote, I have been trying for a dozen years to get 20 and 30 year old females involved with the Republican Party. But now Moms for Liberty has done it for me. Sounds pretty apolitical. So below the surface of their sending friendly sounding name and politically vague taglines, they are an unapologetically extreme organization that has built a long record of harassment and controversy in a pretty short period of time. Harassment. Ah, uh, Jen, where have they been harassing? You heard, like we all did, the White House, when you were still there, they put out that edict. And uh, Mayor Garland, the attorney general, on behalf of your White House, put out that edict and said... We've got to start watching these parents that are getting militant in these school board meetings. And so, although Merrick Garland tried to pull it back and Christopher Ray, the FBI, tried to diminish it whatsoever, it went out to every FBI office to start watching these. How many arrests have taken place, Jen? How many people have been beaten up in these school board meetings? They're not there for that regardless of the picture you're portraying, they're not there for violence, but what they are doing is there to protect their kids and keep their kids from learning about how to masturbate and have oral sex when they're in the first grade, which is in the books that they're trying to get taken out of their libraries. Why do people like you think that's okay? Why do you think it's okay for a a teacher who has allegations in their past of pedophilia is getting one-on-one with a small child and talking to them about having same-sex sex? You okay with that, Jen? Apparently she is. Some free advice out there for people who are not sure what their organization is about, whether it's called Moms for Liberty or Puppies for Ice Cream. It's worth looking into the agenda of an organization before joining it. Sometimes it may not be what you think. And therefore, she just she just described the whole thing, the whole thing. She diminished everybody that's a member of that organization. She's not been to a meeting. She doesn't know any of those people, but she just told you exactly how the left operates. The truth doesn't matter at all. It's what we, what we on the left, say that it is. When we tell you, when you see something, it doesn't matter what your opinion is, whatever it is, until and unless we give you the reality of it, you don't know what's the truth. And so she just diminished every person, every mom in that organization. And she painted a picture they're Nazi sympathizers. In fact, they are exactly the opposite of that. The Hitler quote was what they were saying the left is doing or trying to do in our schools. What Hitler said would always work at controlling a population. Get the young people, and you'll have them forever. I haven't even looked at MSNBC's ratings, haven't looked at Jen Psaki's show, but I feel sorry for anybody and everybody that 
that watches that network, especially shows when there are people that have to come up with some soliloquy in which they can denigrate conservatives. And no guy on MSNBC would dare to go after a woman's group like Jen Psaki did, but because she's a woman, it's okay for her to denigrate other women. She's a mom. I wonder what her kid or kids, I don't know how many children she has, but she has said she's a mother. I wonder if she's going to let them learn the things when they're at school that these moms and dads are there and they're going crazy because it's destroying their kids. I wonder how she would respond in the same circumstances. We'll never know. You know why? Her kids will go to some far left school or some protected school or be homeschooled and just think about it. If Jen's a good mama, she wouldn't want her kids seeing those books that these parents are pushing to get out of the libraries at their schools. Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well-trained? Or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified? That we freshly bake goodies throughout the day? Well, it matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Kiehl's, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. Representative Eric Swalwell, you know who he is. He's the guy that had the long time fling with Flim Flang, Ying Yang, I forget his name, her name. She was a Chinese spy at the time. Swalwell didn't know about it. And he was keeping her in his offices 
in D.C. and also in California. Fang Fang, that's who she was. Well, he doesn't have a really good appreciation for being a gentleman. He pressed a Fox Business news reporter yesterday who, her name's Hillary Vaughn, really nice, a good reporter too, very nice. She was on on air live and uh, put a microphone in front of him. The camera was there and asking him why it, it appears that uh, President Biden doesn't care about finding out who belonged to the cocaine <laughs> in the White House. She pressed Wawel on the subject and uh, wanted to know why didn't they go after DNA evidence or something like that? When Steve comes in, Steve Baker comes in in just a little bit, we're going to talk about that, about the cocaine at the White House and the way that whole thing was handled or not handled. But this was big news. And so instead of talking to Ms. Vaughn, Eric Swalwell just sidled up to her and did what he's so infamous for doing. He snarked at her and said, if you all want to come find out about cocaine in the White House, if you all want to be strip searched, you know, for substances before you go into the White House, that's something that you should work with the Secret Service to see if they can accommodate. You hear any outrage about Swalwell saying that to a woman, saying that to any woman? And you put that in the context of what you heard in the opening there with uh, Jen Psaki. They feel like they're in a different world than our conservatives. There's no question about it. And that gap is getting wider and wider, and it's becoming more and more obvious. I just can't comprehend why these people are ignoring what is playing out on the international stage right now about the United States. The far left and leadership in the far left, they actually believe that Americans are just going to fall in line. And whatever, whenever they say it, whatever it's going to be, the left are going to just automatically take over total power over everybody, control everything, keep us from doing anything they don't want us to do and make us do anything that we don't want to do. They believe there's probability of that happening as long as they can get back total control of our government. And right now, conservatives in America only have a very slim margin in the House of Representatives. We're really close to struggling to get some things um, permanently put in place to keep this country free. Did you hear the aftermath of Rex Harmon, Harmon, Howerman, however he pronounces his name? He's that New York City architect that was arrested Thursday night for the alleged murder of at least three sex workers dumped their bodies near Gilco Beach on Long Island and reportedly made thousands of Google searches about the murders, also about child pornography and other sadistic topics. He's 59 years old. I saw a video of him. I guess this was his arraignment walking away. He's a monster. He's about 6'5", a really, really big guy. He's being charged with six counts of murder. Those include one count of first-degree murder, one count of second-degree murder for each of the three alleged victims. 
The victims are Melissa Bartholomew, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello. And they're pretty sure they're going to tie him to some other murders with similar circumstances. He's pleaded not guilty to all counts. And he was in tears after his arrest saying, I did not do this. The stomach-churning searches have turned up some really, really ugly things. Included one search for Mistress Long Island, another for Mature Escorts Manhattan. His surfing also included searches for child pornography. One Google search history string was obtained by law enforcement through a warrant on a junk and burner email account. The email address was discovered after Google was issued a warrant seeking records or accounts associated with burner phones that were secured by Howerman. His bail application says that between March of 2022 and June 2023, Howerman made over 200 Google searches that were related to the disappearances and murders of Maureen Brainerd Barnes, Bartholomew, Waterman, and Costello. He's the prime suspect in Brainerd Barnes' death as well. Among the alleged searches were phrases like 10-year-old schoolgirl and girl begging for rape porn. Is that not the sickest thing you've ever heard? Here's another one. Torture red hair porn. Tied slave force-fed male organ. Included in the Google searches were queries like, why could law enforcement not trace the calls made by the Long Island serial killer? Why hasn't the Long Island serial killer been caught? In Long Island serial killer investigation, new phone technology may be key break in the case. And a bunch of different other ones. He was allegedly searching for documentaries and podcasts related to the murder investigations. He also read a bunch of articles on the subject as well. With all of this stuff coming, and this is just days. It only only really broke last Thursday. Here we are Tuesday. There were so many moving parts to this whole thing as it played out over years, and nobody picked up on it. It was almost like he didn't even try to hide anything. And I know, I know, this is not the FBI. This is not a national deal. This was a local deal. But we are talking about New York City, who has access to the best of anything and everything regarding investigators, uh, paraphernalia, equipment, the ability to have access to all kinds of information. I will say this. My hat goes off to the investigators that finally came up with the evidence that will likely put this guy in jail for life. They got a pizza box with pizza crust in it out of a trash can behind his office. Now this this part it just it just thrills me that they really stuck to this case long enough to put these pieces together. One of the women all, in fact, all the women that, that were buried at Gilco Island, they were buried in nap, like knapsack material. 
And one of the women, in fact, I think it was the first one that was murdered, they found a hair in the knapsack material that they kept in evidence. This all happened before we had really good DNA applicability to trace DNA online and put DNA together from various searches that had happened across the nation, a database of it. But they kept that. And so it all came back around. Local authorities, they're scouting him out. And they got that pizza box and got that pizza crust. They did a DNA analysis of that. And the hair that was with the first murder victim. And that's what broke this case. So kudos to law enforcement, local and state, for doing that. (sighs) He was also searching for documentaries and podcasts related to murder investigations. On the same bail app, revealed his own wife's hair in a discorded pizza box, linked him to the murders after 13 years. Detectives were able to trace hair left behind on three. The number's up to three of the murder victims. It was just one originally. The wife's DNA, his wife's DNA, was gathered from a swab of bottles that she left outside for trash collection. The document also stated a single strand of his own hair was found on one of the victims. That's the one I just told you about. Gilco Beach, it's become infamously associated with the string of murdered sex workers deemed the Gilco Four since their bodies were discovered strangled and wrapped in burlap in 2010. Six more bodies were later discovered in the area. Howerman is expected to get nailed for every one of them due to a reported mountain of evidence against him. It's good that they put two and two together and got down to this. But it's really, really sad that this went on and on and on, and more and more people were killed. I don't care what their profession was, what they were doing at the time. Nobody deserves to be murdered, period. Nobody deserves that. And apparently this guy, he was very calculated, and he was very evil. There have been a lot of people before him that have been convicted of murder, put to death in life forever, that did some really bad stuff. I don't know that I've ever heard of one more egregious than this. And my heart goes out to the family members of those who died because of him. Law enforcement nationwide, they are really struggling right now. I don't know that with the entire almost political system in America that are down on law enforcement, at least half of America is down on law enforcement. I don't know how these people can go to work every day and do their jobs because they know more so than ever, they're hated by a lot of people they're trying to protect. Let me give you an example. The Boston, Boston Mass, the Boston Mayor's Administration has created a list of critics and not only just critics, protesters people protesting against the administration of the mayor, put a list together and gave it to the Boston Police Department. Boston Mayor Michelle Wu has admitted sending the Boston Police Department a list including some of her own critics 
stopping them, prohibiting them from going to Wu's Rosalindell house during certain hours. The list was made in response to a request from the Boston PD after the mayor was harassed and physically intimidated by individuals for several months outside her home, a city functions, and at other public events. This is a spokesperson for the mayor named Ricardo Patron. Critics are now calling out Wu for using Nixon, Nixonian tactics, accusing her of attempting to suppress citizens' rights and their right to protest and intimidate her opponents. Former President Nixon compiled a list of all his enemies during his presidency. Patron explained the BPD sent the request to the mayor's office after a couple of protesters on the list interrupted the Dorchester Day Parade June 5th of last year and harassed Wu and her family by yelling through megaphones for more than 90 minutes. Officers met with city staff June 10th, 2022, to discuss a safety plan and ask for a list of the disruptors. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. A year ago, in Washington, D.C., every conservative member of the United States Supreme Court, every single one, their homes for weeks on end, 24-7, outside on the sidewalk, behind them, around them, whatever, People protested, screamed, hollered, carried signs, had megaphones. In fact, one nut job from the West Coast showed up and he came there to assassinate Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Thankfully, he was thwarted before he could ever get started being prosecuted and he's in prison probably for life for that. You didn't hear the kind of outcry over that that we're hearing now of what the Boston mayor is doing. I wonder why. She's a Democrat. It's okay. You're Democrat. Anything goes. Democrat. I don't have any hard feelings for Democrat, for Republican, for Independent, Steve Baker that's going to join us in a little bit. He is a uh, he's somewhere to the right of conservatives. I'll let him give you his label, his preferred label. I'm sure his mama has a label or two for him. Every mama does for their boys, I promise you. My mother did for me, my older brother. Nevertheless, it's not about the labels. It's about the philosophies that people make part of themselves. That's the scary piece. It's okay to hear things, and it's okay to listen to things. I used to get in trouble with my mother. I loved, I grew up loving radio, and we lived in Franklin, Louisiana. One Christmas when I guess I was 12 or 13, yeah, probably about 13, Christmas present was a transistor radio, battery-operated transistor radio, which was a really big deal back then, and I just loved music and I loved radio, and I mean, even when I was 12 or 13, I I hoped that someday I'd be in radio, and I was for a long time. And I listened to Beaker Street. Anybody remember that? K-A-A-Y in Little Rock, Arkansas. It's a 50,000-watt station. And I hid under the covers with that transistor radio, had a little earphone, so Mom and Dad couldn't hear me listening 
especially on Saturday nights, but every night because when other stations powered down lower AM stations, KAAY had a 50,000 clear channel that beamed to the south, and so in South Louisiana, I was able to pick it up. And I mention that because technology has been playing a bigger and bigger part in the divisiveness that's put this ever-widening chasm between people of different political ilks. I remember way back in the Reagan administration, Reagan was a staunch conservative. And speaking of Massachusetts, the Speaker of the House back then, and I can't remember him name, his name, he was a nasty, nasty, hardcore leftist Democrat. But he and Reagan had this amazing relationship where they would talk about each other, talk directly to each other, and they talked to each other, not at each other. And it seems like a whole generation of politicians have lost that. They don't talk to each other. They talk at each other or talk about each other. It seems like it's now it's impossible to sit down and have a conversation and, yeah, talk about differences, but try to find some consensus. I mean, we've got 535 people in Congress, 435 in the House, another 100 in the Senate. They're up there for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to create the processes and to make sure the processes are implemented and are running okay And our nation is doing okay because the structure for doing that is what these people do. That's what they're sent up there. That's why we vote for them to go up there and do it for us. Everything from spending our money to keeping us out of war and everything in between. All of this offshoot pontificating that goes on all day, every day, just like you heard just a few minutes ago, Jen Psaki destroy or try to destroy this group of conservative moms because they're out there, they're taking their kids back from the left that Jen Psaki is glorifying. Instead of sitting down at the table and saying, wait a minute, maybe it's not good for my five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old son and daughter to be hearing their teachers and seeing in books in their library what oral sex is and how old you should be before you enter into a sexual act with another kid. And I'm not exaggerating. And you heard Jen Psaki say all these parents, they just get ramped up at these school board meetings and they're getting violent and harassing these school board members and teachers and administrators. It's about their kids. Substantively, We need to be living and working for and having people that we hire to do the task, whatever the task is, we need to hold them accountable when they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And we should have the right, as every American always has, to express our issues with them. I'll go back to Jen Psaki's Hitler quote. The mother that quoted that was quoting it as an example of what the lefties are doing to and with our kids in school, doing exactly what Hitler said it would take to keep them Nazis 
for their entire lives. And Jen Psaki turned it around and made it sound like these mothers were bragging that Hitler was the perfect leader and example for everybody for everything. Maybe those mothers feel that way, and that's their right. But totalitarianism doesn't fit anywhere in the Constitution or in the term democracy. But that's, that's all opinion, Dan. Everybody has their right to their own opinion. Yeah, not today. If you're a conservative, you don't have an opinion anymore. Or if you have one, you don't deserve it. Let me give you another example from the left. Oh, I hate to even go here. John Kerry. John Kerry. Longtime U.S. Senator. Vietnam War liar. Busted when he was running for office. He lied about it. He embellished, yada, yada, yada. On and on and on and on. He, for, for, for his, I guess his, uh, his great personality, great looks, I don't know why, but he married Teresa Hines Carey, heiress of the Hines fortune, multimillionaire. He gets in the Senate from Massachusetts, stays there a long time, decided to run for president and got beat. So he had to find a place that he could get in government where he was untouchable, but yet he could find a niche to make himself an expert. He chose climate change. I guess Al Gore knighted him to be the climate change guru that followed Al Gore when Al Gore sold his soul out to Muslims in the Middle East and he bought Al Jazeera their television network that Al Gore later sold for bazillions of dollars. And he didn't need to be applicable anymore because he had more money than, oh, I don't know, most billionaires in other places on earth. So he turned his whole climate, whatever you want to call his climate stuff, turned it over to John Kerry. So here's what Kerry did last week. He heaped some praise on the Chinese Communist Party's Green Energy Initiative, failing to acknowledge allegations that the CCP utilizes slave labor in production of the green energy in China. Now, that's according to the Washington Post. Kerry said the CCP is doing an, quote, incredible job with its green energy initiatives, including solar panel manufacturing, And, of course, this is all part of John Kerry's trip to China. He's there in Beijing. Beyond allegations of Uyghur slave labor that they're using in China to produce solar panels, the CCP uses child labor in mines, mines that are essential to the green energy supply chain and oversees an economy which emitted almost twice as much carbon dioxide as the United States back in 2021. (laughs) Kerry went over there telling what great guys they are. Beyond allegations of using Uyghur slave, they are known to exact key minerals used to produce green technology for mines in countries like the Congo, and use child labor. Republican Rep. Chris Smith of New Jersey introduced legislation in late June 
that would stem the importation of any of these products that use minerals coming from Congolese mines using child labor and counter Chinese dominance of the global supply to these minerals. So in his comments praising the CCP, Kerry urged Chinese leadership to stop construction of coal-fired power plants. You know Xi Jinping is going to listen to that. They're opening two new ones every week across China. (laughs) And Kerry thinks he's going to talk them into stopping that? (laughs) If you weren't with us yesterday, you didn't hear this. But I opened the show talking about the climate activists, they've just missed it. They don't get it. It's impossible to do what they say we're going to do. We can't flip a switch before 2030, before 2050, before 2060, 2070, 2080. We cannot flip a switch and go away from hydrocarbon and fossil fuel. We don't have the capacity to do it. And them harping on it and spending trillions of taxpayer dollars to do just that when there's nothing on the other side that can replace it. Oh, we electric cars. Yesterday we gave you stats. There's so much lying going on about electric cars and their capability and what they can do and what the cost can do. They don't tell you that those batteries run out of juice. I don't care if they're rechargeable batteries. You know that. I've had a beard for I don't know how many years, and I thought it was amazing when I finally got a beard trimmer that had rechargeable batteries. Man, I was through from then on. I had one that was battery-operated and a second one that I plugged in the wall. Now I don't have to plug it in the wall, and I don't have to worry about having batteries in the house to replace those on the battery-operated one. I just plug it in, and it's got batteries in there, and when the batteries run down, I grab two out of the charger and put them in the, the, the clipper, and then I put the batteries to charge, put them back in. But guess what I found out? After a year or so, those batteries won't hold the charge anymore. Same thing holds true for your Tesla. So what are you going to do? Carry around a bunch of Tesla batteries? No. They weigh thousands of pounds, several thousand pounds of batteries for a Tesla. So what do you do? Well, you have to get them changed out. Have you seen a commercial that talks about the battery life of Teslas? No. You know why? There's not one. Why isn't there one? They don't want you to know about it. Thirty to $45,000 to change the batteries in a Tesla. And they estimate every three years you got to do it. So you're going to pay... Eighty, ninety, hundred thousand dollars for the car, and then every three years another thirty or forty. But that's just a little insignificant thing. Let's go ahead and shut down our fossil fuel operations. Sixty-one percent, sixty-one percent of our energy last year came from fossil fuel. Do we have the ability to replace 61% for electric, wind? No, we're not even close. And we won't be. Probably not this century. (coughs) 
off too, gang, and showtime. Uh, do you know this guy? I'm not going to cry, am I? Only if you don't believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. <laughs> movies, right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, right? That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select Farmer's branded policy subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmer's Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich, and you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. Locked and loaded with Truth Ammo. Taking aim at the problem, it's Dan Newman. Yep. Aiming every day at whatever the problem is. And it, it's kind of like a moving thing. <laughs> it just keeps moving and you have to stab it again and stop it from moving and stab it again. I just don't feel like we're getting our hands around all of the evil that is out there that we need to stop. We have somebody with us who's here every Tuesday that he's spending his life doing just that. He's got a he's got a a, a frog gig, and he walks around every day finding criminality and evil in Washington and other places, and stabbing it to kill it. Steve Baker, of course. Steve, how are you today? Dan, I am good. I am really good. I I, I woke up this morning uh, ready to go and ready to. Uh, grab that frog gig <laughs> and go after after these scoundrels. <laughs> I really, it's really. Uh, I use my frog gig more as a snake gig. In fact, in fact, it's funny that, that you say that because it reminded me of when when I was a kid and we would go actually frog gigging and we we would spotlight them in the middle of the night. You know, I'm 13 years old. Back in the back in those days where the parents weren't helicoptering over us and we could just go camping with our buddies out on the bayou or the lake or the pond or whatever by ourselves as, as children, really. And, um, and I remember with the frog gigs, we would see these uh, freshwater eels down in there and uh, under the spotlight. And we would, of course, that was the most fun because those things were so strong and they would fight us and we would wrestle those things. And then we would take them back and we would throw them into the, uh, 
the hog pens and watch the hogs try to eat them. <laughs> the hogs, the hogs would have one end of the eel in their mouth and stretch it out, stretch it out, stretch it out, and then slam it. <laughs> thing would release, come back, and pop them in the in the face, and they would just shake that thing around. Because <laughs> you know the hogs would eat anything, but they struggled with those eels, and so that was hilarious for us. Well, so it's anyway, it, it, there, there's my there's my frog gigging story. <laughs> Well, I, I was going to say, you know what, when I, when I use that frog, there are a lot of people that are listening. We have people listening today from Australia, New Zealand. They may not, France, they may not know what frog gigging is, but they eat them. So somebody's got to yeah. gig them or catch them or whatever. Well, That's let right. me ask you this. You got, you got anything yeah. going on that is controversial around you in your life? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, I, we we usually we usually have at least one such item to talk about on these uh, programs. I, you know, the the only the only thing that's really uh, significantly controversial right now is I I am, as you can imagine, when you're dealing every day, and it's and I'm at this point right now. I don't know how I got here, but every single day I'm dealing with either congressional staffers or somebody connected to congressional staffers and trying to get things done and trying to get an ear. Uh, I will tell you that the only thing controversial right now is that some of the access that I have been given of late to those 41,000 hours worth of January 6th video, they are now telling me that I will not be able to get back into the um, video room to complete the project that I'm working on until after the August recess, congressional recess. And I just lost my, you know what, yesterday when oh, I, I can was imagine. told that. Yeah, yeah. And so um, uh, I, I immediately got on the phone with some guys who will uh, hopefully run interference for me, and they're going to be doing that. But it's 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 a it's a struggle. I mean these these Congress people they make decisions. I don't know based upon what some days because it's one day it's one thing and one day and the next day it's another. We go all the way back, particularly on that forty one thousand hours worth of January sixth video of remembering when uh, Speaker McCarthy promised America that he was going to release all of that to the American people, and then they just within a matter of weeks, they pulled back on that and started saying that the reason why they couldn't do that was because of specific uh, security concerns. And then, um, and then they started allowing access to certain independent journalists, such as uh, myself, uh, Julie Kelly, John Solomon, uh, and a couple of others. Uh, obviously Tucker had, and his producers had their round in that room looking at those videos. And uh, after I have had my three days in there here a couple of weeks ago, I still have uh, some touch-ups and finishing up uh, to do on my own stories. And then when I was told yesterday that I was not going to be allowed back in for maybe as much as two more months, I tell you what, I just, whew, because I was supposed to be back up in there uh, this week. Before we move on to another subject, I just want to point this out. You know, that plays into the hand that it almost seems like in this administration and maybe any other Democrat administration, when it gets really hot around them, the principles involved in the administrative stuff, when it gets really hot, they just try to just let it fade away and they'll find something else to throw out there to grab the people's attention and hoping that that one does fade mm -hmm. away, that it's just gone. Yeah. And I think we're watching this play out on a number of fronts now. And they're praying. I guarantee you, there are actually Democrats in D.C. 
that are Christians, and they're praying, God, bring something else to, to take this away. This is, this is so bad, we'll never get it resolved, but we need to move on with the business of the people, and they're honestly praying that way. And it's not a good thing. We need to find these things, get them out in the open, investigate them, and hold those accountable for any law-breaking, hold them accountable in whatever measure it goes along with whatever they're caught doing, and then just move on to it. But this constant 24-7, year after year, letting things roll on. Look at the Russia collusion thing. I mean, it was almost three years, and they come back with nothing. They knew from the very get-go there was nothing there, but they had to keep the people's attention. You know, it's that old adage when some guy's screaming at you, waving his arms around, screaming at you, look what I've got in my hand, look what I've got in my hand. What's really going on is what's important, and that's in his hand behind his back. They don't want you to know about and talk about. That's the world in which we live. And it's a great thing for you and I because it keeps us busy it keeps us kind of applicable in the worlds in which we live. Our circles overlap, but, you know, I don't have direct access to people in your circle, nor do you and mine other than this show that we do together. And I know some of your people, well, not- look, they, they listen into this show and they read our stuff as well. But there's so many moving parts. There's plenty enough bad stuff going around to keep everybody busy. Well, I'll tell you what, before we get into any more of the bad stuff, I'm going to tell you about another overlap that you and I have that Uh-oh. I did not know. And I feel more connected to you now after hearing your, uh, your first hour of the broadcast today than I ever have before. And the reason why is, is you actually described something that I used to do every single weekend, hiding it from my parents with a transistor radio under my covers in my bed, <laughs> listening to Beaker Street on KAAY oh in Little Rock. I, Dan, I, when you started telling that story earlier, I just, <laughs> just broke out in the biggest grin because I tell that story all the time. I can't tell you how many, how many different circumstances in life over the last 50 years that I have told the story about listening to Beaker Street. Now, I used to, now my memory may be bad. I used to remember that it was on Sunday night because I, th- I used to, I used to think that I used to listen to Beaker Street after church on Sunday nights yeah. uh, after I go to bed, but maybe it was Saturday night. Okay, let me ask you this. But, do you remember? Yep, yep. Do you remember the DJ? Remember his name? No, I don't. No. Rob, Rob Robbins. Well, you're going to, you're going to remember more of those details because you're a radio guy, but yeah. I, I, I just remember that when I got for Christmas, whatever year that was, that little transistor radio with the single little earpiece. You know, That's exactly. You know, I, nice, think, I think maybe our moms yeah. coordinated that. Because <laughs> I got the same one. And, and, and that, that little earpiece, and I would get, I would crawl in bed, and I would turn that thing on, and it would transform my life. Because I, obviously I was a young, developing musician. Yeah. And we, growing up in the church circles that we grew up in, we had a very, <laughs> let's just say, a, a, a more fundamentalist, um, uh, limited approach to the entertainment sources that we were allowed to be exposed to. And and uh, Beaker Street certainly would not have been one of those. But the sounds and the music and the songwriting and the, the, the skill of the players just absolutely um, – 
uh, lit my, you know, lit, lit a fire underneath me as a young musician. And, 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 and moving forward, it wasn't, it wasn't very long thereafter that Christian music began to transform as well. And some yeah, of those, yeah. some of those instruments and those sounds uh, were allowed to be uh, consumed by young Christians <laughs> in our church youth groups and such as that. But uh, Beaker Street was it, man. It was, it was, a, it was a, it was a big jump from the top 40 KWEL uh, every single day that we used to have to sneak off and listen to that as well. But then to get the Beaker Street on KWAY was uh, a huge leap for me. So when you told that story a while ago, I just lit up. Well, we have something else in our circle together. Let me, uh, yeah. before we move on, let me tell you a PS to this whole thing. The guy's name, Rob Robbins, his real name was Don Hayes. And I did not know that or anything about it until I went to Louisiana Tech and I was working Monday through Friday nights, 8 till midnight on KRUS in Ruston. And my boss was Don Hayes. And about, I guess, three or four oh, months goodness. into it, I found out a lot about him. He flew a, a helicopter chopper in Vietnam, and he walked away from four chopper crashes where he was shot down. And he got out of the military. He was going to be a lifer. He got out of it. He was really messed up. And he he uh, he came to Ruston. He was getting his aviation pilot license. And uh, he, because of his past, and I didn't know his past at that time, um, he was a program director over there. So when I talked about KAEY and Little Rock, and one time he said, "You know about KAEY?" And I said, "I told him the story about." you know, Beaker Street. And he laughed and he said, that was me doing this show. I was Rob Robbins. And uh, we became fast friends. When he got his license, he moved to Chicago and was a flight instructor. And there's some real irony, sad irony in his life. He walked away from all of those Vietnam helicopter crashes. He had a student on a uh, Cessna 182 with him and they were taking off from the rural Chicago airport on a regular teaching lesson, and as they gained altitude, the engine stalled, and they wrecked at the end of the airport runway and killed them both. Oh, Little wow. irony, walked away from four helicopter crashes, Yeah, and he gets killed yeah. you know, in private work. But you know what? All of this proves the world's a whole lot smaller than we think it is. Our circles overlap yes, more than we think they do. Yeah. Let's talk, and, and I'm going to go to this topic, not because of any personal involvement by either of us, <laughs> and I'm talking about the White House cocaine debacle now. It, oh, it, Lord. It, this is, there is so much humor in this entire story. Now, let's put this in context. Okay, who polices the White House? The Secret Service. And uh, if you know anything about the Secret Service, you know anything about going to the White House? You don't go into the White House without virtually getting done everything to you but strip searching you. They have drug dogs that sniff you. They wand you. Any metal that you have on your body as you go through the, the scanner, you know, you got to take it off and they test it and all this kind of stuff. Nobody gets in there unless they're clean. Everybody goes through it. Foreign dignitaries go except, through it. Except, except, except. Uh-huh. Drum roll, drum roll. Uh-huh. 
That would be the family members of the president. There you go. So <laughs> the obvious answer, and you sometimes the obvious answer is the right answer. I mean, right. ding, 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 Hunter Biden. And he was there at the time. They tried to at first say, oh, the first family yeah. wasn't there. They were already gone. No. They found it at about 5.30 that Friday afternoon, and the family didn't leave the White House till 6.30, headed for Camp David. So, this great secret service operation, which they are, but they're there to protect the first family. That's what they do. They're not an investigative unit. They're not. Everybody thinks they are, but they're they're not there. But they did a complete, in-depth investigation one week, well, eight days, eight days later, we can't find out whose it was. And so we're right. just going to, we're going to quit. We're done. Why didn't they call in the FBI? Well, let's just assume for the moment that they did, okay? Because that would be the obvious first call that any uh, special agent there, Secret Service agent would make would be to the FBI as the premier quote-unquote investigative uh, law enforcement agency in the world that would have been the first call if they really wanted to find it out now let's just lay that reality out there if they really wanted to know or if they uh let's let's take a step back and let's just assume that they already knew who it was then there's the answer to your question dan because I don't believe for a second that they don't know where it came from. They say that they did fingerprint the bag or the container, whatever it was. They say that they uh, tested for DNA and there was uh, insufficient DNA on the, uh, the bag. They could not find sufficient fingerprints. And, of course, the uh, uh, as you were saying, this is not what the Secret Service, that's not their forte, that's not their, uh, you know, that's not their strong point, but this is something certainly that the FBI would have handled if they'd wanted to. So I don't know where they would have sent those fingerprint samples to or otherwise DNA samples to. So I would think that that would have gone to the FBI. Let me tell you. But the, you said something. No, go ahead. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I'm going to say, you. This, this, this dovetails into something else you said in the first hour. You were jokingly talking about uh, uh, you would allow me to describe what my political position is. And this is a pretty good time to bring that up because as a constitutional libertarian is what is basically – probably the most accurate term for me, uh, classical liberal would be another. You say that I'm to the right of uh, you or right of conservatives. Uh, yeah, on a, on a linear scale, I definitely am because I do believe that regardless of what your your politics are, what your inherent world, world um, view is, is that if you just leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. You can go do whatever you want to do as long as you don't pick my pocket and break my, you know, uh, uh, bones. Uh, that's, that's my basic, simple political philosophy. And so I don't care if somebody is a user of cocaine in the privacy of their own home. Don't want them getting behind their, the wheel of their car. But I also am not naive enough to believe that there haven't been a long procession over the years of individuals who have brought illicit substances of some kind into the White House. And so, you know, there, there are, unfortunately, this is the bigger scandal to me, and this is where I'm headed with this. 
is that unfortunately there are tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people that are in prisons in the United States today for being nothing more than a drug user. I'm not talking about, you know, the pushers. I'm not talking about the dealers. I'm not talking about leaders of, of gangs and cartels, uh, the people that are, that are ruining society by pushing these, these substances on the street. But there are people who did nothing more than have been a user of a classified illegal drug. And they, end up spending years in prison, particularly in those areas where they have the street, the three strike rules. Can you imagine being uh, somebody who smoked a joint for the third time? This is your third bust and you get put away for a minimum sentence of 20 years or 30 years for that uh, nonviolent offender. And that's the only thing you ever did. Well, here's where the scandal is. The scandal, Dan, is, is in the double standard of justice. Now, Many, as I said, many of those people sitting in cages right now may not deserve to be there, depending upon, you know, how you feel about uh, about drugs. But if that is the societal standard and that is the standard that's been pushed upon us and that has been passed into law by these officials, whether they're uh, elected officials, whether they're bureaucrats uh, or whether they're people that are sitting behind those walls in the White House who signed those laws into um, uh, reality, then those individuals, regardless of who they are, should be held to a much, much higher standard than the people on the street smoking a bag of, of crack uh, uh, heroin or marijuana. It doesn't matter. The people in that building must be held to a higher standard. And that is the scandal that I see in this cocaine debacle. Here is the takeaway that I have from this particular thing, the White House scandal. Biden and his handlers should have felt like they needed to prove that Hunter was not the perpetrator of that for obvious reasons. We have an election coming up. And I know they still think they'll bulldoze whoever comes up against Joe Biden if he happens to be the guy. I've predicted numerous times he won't be the candidate in 2024 for the Democrat Party. But even if he was, you would think they'd want to clear the air. They don't care. Imagine if this was Donald Trump Jr., if he was, you know, an habitual offender, all the the history that we know he had bragged about crawling around on the carpet trying to find anything he could to put in his crack pipe to smoke like Hunter did on a televised segment, you would think that the Biden administration would want to make sure that the public at least thought for certain it wasn't Hunter Biden. For those purposes, obviously with this FBI, we know how corrupt it is from top to bottom. Christopher Ray will cover for anything and everything. How do you think he made $5 million last year? The salary's 200000 His income last year was $5 million. You don't think somebody opened a few doors to some revenue opportunities to him? So mm-hmm. he's probably like many in D.C., and I'm not just talking about Democrats. He's been a Republican for years. But evil's evil. It doesn't wear any particular party Uh, pen. Evil is evil, but one would think Donald Trump, just imagine if that was Donald Trump Jr. that did that. He would have at least 
made it look like, just to make it go away, made it look like the FBI came in and investigated and it was not Hunter. They're still looking. I would never have said eight days later, we're through. We can't find any proof. We have no physical proof, so we're done. That, in my opinion, was freaking stupid to do that. And it's it's an open case. Yeah, yeah. They could have found a scapegoat, Absolutely. but they could also have they could have also played upon the sympathy of America and say, yeah, you know, it was Hunter's and he, you know, he had a relapse. And that probably would have had, it would have played out well in the in the election coming up. Absolutely, put him put him in a you know rehab center for six weeks. They can afford it, and um, you know, and and, and move on. And uh, obviously, there's not a single voter, a Democrat voter, a single voter on the left who is going to then suddenly not vote for for whoever the the. I still don't believe it's going to be uh, <laughs> Biden running in 2024. But uh, whoever the candidate is, they're not going to not vote for that candidate because Biden checked uh, or Hunter Biden himself checked him into, uh, checked into a rehab center for six weeks. It's just not a big enough scandal for them to turn turn away from their ideology and their party. But there there is the, I'll tell you what I'll tell you what really frightens me about this. And because, you know, we can joke about the drug part of it. We can talk about our our differences in political leanings between the libertarian side and the more conservative side. We can talk about uh, all the theories about whose uh, bag of coke this was and who left it and how it got in and that sort of thing. But the, the most frightening thing to me, Dan, is is the hubris that this administration has that the Department of Justice has, that the left in general has right now, because they seem to have no fear right now. And that really is starting to bother me. The fact that they don't care. I mean, when Rand Paul refers Anthony Fauci to the Department of Justice for contempt of Congress, for lying to Congress, he, and let's be honest, I mean, he, Rand has Fauci dead to rights documents everything. I mean, there's, there's just irrefutable evidence that Fauci lied to Congress and yet the DOJ won't pay attention. We had Christopher Ray last week. It was the, it was the, um, it was five and a half hours of the most, I would, I didn't count them physically count them, but I would say that it was five and a half hours of the longest string of lies and obfuscations I've ever heard in my life from any Body sitting in front of uh, a congressional committee, they can lie with impunity right now, or just not answer questions with impunity, or divert with impunity, or as in the case of the cocaine thing, just like no, sorry, it's it's closed. We didn't find anybody, and that's it, and it's over. Yeah. And and there's no. And where are we going with that? Where do we take it when we don't get anything back from our elected leaders? We're screaming bloody murder right now, saying the GOP is not doing anything. And to a certain extent, I'm fed up with them. But on the other hand, I will tell you that Jim Jordan or nor you know Mike Johnson, they don't have the legal authority to walk down off of the dais and walk down there to Christopher Ray and put handcuffs on him. They don't have the legal right to do so. We wish they did, but that's they have to refer that to the Department of Justice. And for some reason, these guys on that side of the aisle, they seem to believe that they've got power locked up for the rest of their lives. Otherwise, they would be 
a lot more careful in what they're doing and what they're saying. And they're showing no concern at all. And that really, really frightens me. I have Why said now. Why do they think that, Dan? Uh, it's impunity. They think they have permanent status to do whatever they want to do and nobody will touch them. And in many cases, but don't they, they, but don't they know, but don't they know that in just a year and a half from now, they may not hold any of the reins of the power that has happened before. Why do they have seem to have no fear right now that in November of 2024, that there won't be a, uh, a Republican in the white house and that there won't be a, um, a solid majority in both the Senate and the house given to the GOP. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the answer. No I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the answer and you might not like it. It's because they feel it doesn't matter who has control of both houses of Congress in the white house. There's enough dirt around to spread around on everybody that they will always have the ability to keep themselves from being held accountable for the things they do. Whether or not that's factual, I can't say. But obviously, if you ask the question honestly, like you just asked me, that can be the only conclusion you can come to because they're not stupid. None of them are stupid. They make crazy decisions sometimes, but that's human nature. But they're, they're doing it over and over and over again. Christopher Ray, he he has no fear of being held accountable for any of the wrongdoing he did. So let's just say Donald Trump gets reelected. He's already said the first thing he's going to do is start lopping heads at the DHS, at the FBI. Christopher Ray will be the first one to go. So what? He's got more money than he'll ever be able to spend. And he can go retire anywhere on the planet that he wants to go. So he has no fear of retribution. He knows he's not going to be thrown into prison because whoever would be the one or the ones to do that, he's probably got dirt on all of them. They've got to change one rule, and it's not even a law or regulation. It's something that somebody in the DOJ came up with. Hey, this is a good idea. This is a policy that we need to put out there. And here's the policy that we're going to put out there. Any of us that are ever called before a congressional committee or we're called before any law enforcement agency, when they ask us in public, in testimony, sworn testimony of some kind, to give us an answer about something, if we absolutely cannot afford for the truthful answer to get out into the marketplace of ideas, here's what we're going to say every time. Because it's part of an ongoing investigation, I cannot mm-hmm. comment on that right now. There is no law that says that. There is no rule. There's nothing in the structural uh, business operations of either the Senate or the House that says that's the way it's supposed to be. There's nothing in the Department of Justice. There's no policy that says that. And nobody's calling them on that. That's what toasts me every time Christopher Ray opened his mouth and said that. He can say and should say anything that he has asked. And if it can't be said in public, shut it down. Close the hearing down. Get the staffers out of the room. And ask and answer the questions because 
their oversight. The House of Representatives is overseers, especially of all things to do with money and the structure and the accountability for the employees of these agencies. They're the bosses, technically. They're the ones they can't fire, but what they can do is take the money away. And sadly, Mike Johnson's come on this show recently, and we've talked about it. He said the only thing we can do is go after the money, and we're going to start doing that. If they don't come up with some way to stop it and some way to hold these people accountable, we'll never see the end of this. And our representative republic structure, it's toast. It's gone. I have comments directly from um, individual staffers that I've spoken to that work for Weaponization Committee. I probably shouldn't have even said which committee, but it's already out. So I'll it's a continue. subcommittee. It's a subcommittee. <laughs> <laughs> right. Is that the biggest problem they're having is making that connection to the American people with the findings that they're putting out there. And you and I have talked about this before, and this is half, and the reason for this, Dan, is because it doesn't matter that you spend two hours a day. It doesn't matter how many articles I write every day or how many five and 10 episodes I put out per week. It doesn't matter how many uh, hours a day that Blaze TV runs uh, or, or Fox News or OAN or uh, Newsmax. It doesn't matter. All of those voices combined are such a small fraction to the penetration that the mainstream media has. And of course we know who controls that lock, stock and barrel. They are the voice of the the deep state. They are the voice of the swamp. They are the voice of the American left and the democratic party. And they have the ability with the size of their bullhorn to drown out these voices. Not, not, not everybody, you know, you and I, you and I know what's going on, but we're curious. We get up every morning and that's the first thing we look at. We look for the stories. We look to know what's going on in the world, but they are having a tough time. And this is straight, like I said, this is straight from the committee staffers, finding a way to make their, and these are big stories they're bringing forth. These are not, these are not insignificant things. When they bring the FBI whistleblowers before the weaponization committee and they bring Christopher Ray and they've got other things coming. I know some other things that are in the pipeline and they're big stories. They're significant. They mean something. They point to not only deep, deep, deep federal corruption, but they also point to the how that corruption is being used against you and me, average American citizens, ultimately, because it always trickles down to us in some form or the other. And regardless of the fact they can't find that connection with the American people where the American people will rise up and just, you know, scream from their, the, the top of their lungs and stand on the rooftops and say, no more, no more, no more. And, and that's what they told me. That's what they confided in me. We can't find that connection with these things that we're bringing to the American people. And until they do that, and until the American people rise up and start shouting from the rooftops, and as we talked, you and I talked about last week, get on the phones. Get on the phone and call your congressman. Get out there to every single school board meeting. Go to the town halls when they're on break. And shout them down if you have to. If they're not giving you the right answers, we say, hey, we saw the, we saw the, um, 
uh, we saw the actual model on Friday in that event that was uh, that Tucker Carlson hosted in Iowa with the six GOP candidates. I mean, when when um, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson answered that question about vetoing a bill that would prevent uh, the state from butchering, you know, children's genitals because of their gender confusion. And he tried to justify his veto of that bill and Tucker would have, have none of it. And he called him down. He would not give him a, uh, an inch on that. And then the same thing happened when we got to, when he got to uh, uh, former vice president, Mike Pence, when Mike Pence said very, very blatantly and very forthrightly, that's not my concern talking about the difference between worrying about who's coming across the border and all of the money that we're losing in Ukraine and where is it going and why are you more concerned about sending tanks and our, our, our young men and aircraft over to Ukraine when we have, he said, is this not an invasion? Seven million people since the Biden took over have come across that border. Is that not a concern of your, and Pence's answer was that's no concern of mine. That was stunning. But the point being is that Tucker was setting the standard for you and me and not just you and me, Dan, because we have a voice, but it's setting the standard for everyone that's listening to our voice right now, because they have a voice too in whatever size of community, whatever network that they're in. It may just be their Sunday school class. It may just be uh, the PTA meeting. It may be um, they're at their golf club, but they have a voice and it's time to draw a line in the sand and say, no more. We're not going to take it. We're not going to put up with this uh, nonsense. I almost used a bad word. Sorry, but I, I caught myself just in time. Came out yesterday, three Republican U.S. senators, two of them female. Uh, they got in a huddle and they came up with, and it got leaked to the press. They are all three extremely worried about their party, the Republican Party, because it's becoming a populist party. And instead of zeroing in on the root, the concrete, you know, the Republican Party, mm-hmm. instead of rooting in on that, they are becoming more rabid about policies instead of just trusting those in leadership. To that end, I'm going to say something here with you that I've never said on this show before. I was one back in 2015, before Melania and Donald came down the escalator, before he ever said he was going to run, even gave any real uh, inspiration to those people that wanted to change. I predicted in writing, I still have it in writing, I predicted, I published it. I said, Donald Trump will be the next president of the United States. And I was excoriated from every side. I'm going to say something similar to that right now. And it's based upon the stuff that you just mentioned and what has to happen. This is, regardless of what those on the left want to say it, this is one nation under God. Now, that wasn't what our founders wrote. I get that. It was added to the Pledge of Allegiance, I think, Dwight Eisenhower got got it put in there when he was president after World War II. Um, But it is. God was one of the big parts 
of the writing of our Constitution, the structure of our legal system, because these people came from different countries in Northwest Europe that founded the United States. And they had a lot of things that they could point to and say, whatever we do, we're not going to let that happen. Whatever we do, we're not going to let that happen. And we're going to make sure this happens and that happens. And they structured our framework there. Populism is growing. And it's growing because more people are waking up, whether it's because of TNN Live, whether it's for your writings, which are amazing, even people like Joe Rogan, who is the number one podcaster on the planet Earth, he's not a hardcore conservative at all. In fact, he's a leftist, basically. But the yeah. more the more he talks and listens, he has become much like-minded to people like you and me that are saying, we've got to be able to establish a platform that is built on honesty and truthfulness and stop all of this rubbing people on the back to make them feel good about everything. We've got to do what it takes to keep this nation and its structure in place. And it doesn't matter if it's Democrats that are doing it, Republicans are doing it, independents are doing it, or even people like you doing it, whoever is doing it. We've got to call them to question and put the facts out there, and we've got to get this establishment to be finally brought back around to being the government of the people, by the people, and for the people, because that's the only way it's ever worked. And if we can't get there, and let me tell you who will get us there, and more and more Americans are waking up and believing this, Donald Trump right now is the only person that's on the landscape, I think, that has the cojones to push through and do everything that's necessary to get it done. And there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that will do anything to keep a Donald Trump, not just this one, but a Donald Trump in thinking and mentality and in fortitude from taking the reins of the nation because they know the people got a taste in his four years of what can happen, and it happened much quicker and to greater extremes than anybody anticipated. Good stuff came quickly because there was somebody in the White House that understood, not politics so much, but understood people and understood what the people need and want and put that shine the light of it right up next to the Constitution and the rule of law. And it's not that difficult to put the two side by side and identify what needs to happen. Where the fortitude comes in is doing everything to make it happen. And there's nobody on the political landscape now that I can even think of that has the fortitude to go there but Donald Trump. Well, he has certainly showed fortitude. <laughs> I will give you that. Uh, and, and of course, the one thing that makes him uh, highly attractive for 2024 is being a lame duck president with a vendetta. As he said in that famous speech in that line where he said, I will be your retribution. And that certainly is the most attractive uh, aspect of his 24 uh, campaign if he can get 
know there's yet another indictment coming his way. And believe it or not, it looks like it's really going to happen. A lot of people have been predicting it for a long time. I really was on the fence about whether they would go this far or not, but it sure looks like they're headed that way. But it does look like they're about to put a, an actual January 6th indictment on him for quote-unquote uh, seditious conspiracy and for being the source and having inflamed the quote-unquote insurrection that day. And it looks like they're about to move in that in that direction. And in fact, I think it was either this morning or late last night, Trump actually uh, messaged himself and says, it is coming. An indictment is one thing. Many people have said you can indict a ham sandwich. But yeah. turning that indictment into a conviction, especially for something as ambiguous as seditious oh. conspiracy, it's really tough to do, even in Washington, D.C. And if you want to prevent having a really divided nation, and if you really want to stop from having people in the streets with guns, they better make sure anything that they come after in that kind of vein to go after Donald Trump, that they have dotted I's and crossed T's. And this thing about, oh, it just sounds good and feels so good. We're talking about the American people now. We're not talking about Donald Trump. If they go after him for that, what, what we're talking about, that yes, it is real, and they're certainly trying to bring it to pass. If they do that, after he was impeached for stupid things twice and there was no teeth, there was no meat on the bone to go after and do anything to try to legitimately remove him from office, and then they come up with this, they better have pictures, is <laughs> all I got to say, and they better have well, audio sound bites <laughs> to back it up as yeah. evidence because the American people, I mean, Come on now, we're we're at, on the low side. We're talking about eighty million people, and there are far more that have jumped on. And I hate to even say this term because I hate it, but jumped on the Trump train, not for any other reason other than he got it done. He got it done, and he got it done for the American people. And it cost him close to two billion dollars of his personal wealth to take those four years and do it. And for him, a guy that got all that done and then is facing everything that he's facing today, nobody knows better what he's facing than him. I mean, he, he can look down the pike and he sees he's the guy. I mean, he's in the gun sights from all of these leftists. Why are they so desperate to keep him from getting back in the White House? I'm not even asking you to answer because we know the answer. He just got started on draining the swamp. If he had the knowledge then that he has now, he probably would gone along a whole lot further in draining the swamp than he was able to, even with all the crud they threw at him. And, I, and the other thing, and this scares me, I pray for Joe Biden every morning. As you know, I go to a 6 o'clock prayer meeting every morning. And me and one of the pastors at our church, we do it on Facebook, Facebook Live. It's a 30-minute prayer meeting. Every morning, I pray for Joe Biden. Every morning, I pray for Donald Trump. I, it doesn't matter who gets elected. The Bible, if you're a Christian, it teaches us to pray for those in authority over you. And I do that. Denny Duran, our mutual friend, my foster brother, he, he phrases it this way. 
whoever's in the White House, he's going to pray for them and he wants them to succeed. And it doesn't matter who. And he likens it to this. He, uh, he may not like a pilot on a particular jet that he gets on to fly uh, to England or <laughs> to Miami where his all his kids and grandkids are. He may not like the pilot, but he sure wants that pilot to do everything that's necessary to get that plane in the air and on the ground <laughs> safely. Exactly. You want that pilot to succeed. I just think there is a groundswell of support now that I really didn't think was going to show up, but it is showing up. And I think the left's doing a tremendous disservice by letting Joe Biden out of the uh, out of the basement at the Delaware House. They need to put him back. You know what they did? They made him a, 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 a Oval Office. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they actually built a, a screen-set fake Oval Office. And, and Dan, the absurdity of that is why do they even think that they need to do that? I mean, look, uh, presidents can lead and command respect if they deserve it from any with any backdrop, from any building on, where it doesn't matter if it's uh, George W. Bush landing at Barksdale Air Force Base uh, on 9-11. It doesn't matter where they're at in the world. They can they can. Uh, present themselves to the American people, and it's it's not the 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 wall behind you or the set; it's you that's supposed to be uh, the leader in that which can, commands the respect of the American people. But for some reason, this guy doesn't have it, so they have to carry a Hollywood movie set around. Yeah, yeah. it's unbelievable. Well, I think there's there was a plan. And I've, I've even talked about that on this show a couple of times. If Joe had some kind of issue that happened, they need him in office because the replacement for Joe Biden, if he went down for any reason, would be Kamala. And uh, it would be a nightmare. But I think what they, uh, what they would probably do is uh, they would have Jill take him downstairs do you remember, every day. Do you remember um, my favorite character that Vincent Price ever played was the abominable Dr. Fives? Yes. Do you remember yes, that character? Yes, yes, And the whole theme of that movie was is that he could um, embalm himself. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, and, and, and yet, you know, be reanimated in the embalming. And so the that's what I... Every single time I see Joe Biden on the screen, I think of the abominable Dr. Fives. This is a guy being <laughs> artificially kept animated yeah. just for this purpose of really, and they probably fear Kamala Harris as much as we do, if, if the truth be known. And they need to keep him animated for as long as possible. And that's all they need to do. They just yeah. keep him alive yeah. until they finally announce that he's not going to run again. And they got to figure out what to do with Kamala because they're not going to let her run. And certainly she wouldn't have a, a chance and you know what against um, uh Mr. Newsom from California, but that's who the, that's who the nominee is going to be for them. And I still predict that. I still believe that's where this is headed. Hey, I want to switch gears before we finish. And I want to say, thank you. You're staying longer this time. And I haven't talked to the people about what I'm going through right now. I had eye surgery yesterday. Um, I have really, really bad cataracts. And uh, the doctor has been after me for several years to get, you know, where they, go in and get the uh, cataract, take it out and put in a, another lens. 
And uh, I was talking about doing it next year after the first of the year. And uh, I went in before we did our Georgia beach vacation and where I did the show live every day a few weeks ago. And he said, we need to move that up. So we were scheduled to do it next month. And when I got back, I went in and he said, we need to get this done ASAP. So I had the right eye done yesterday. And when I say done, um, if, if you want to have a great time and go to a party or something and they say, why don't we go get your uh, cataract removed and a lens put in, don't raise your hand because it's anything but a party. <laughs> and I've got to go right. back and get the other one done. They did the right eye yesterday, Thursday, they're going to do the other one. But my vision's kind of occluded right now. It's much better than it than I thought it was going to be the day after, but Thursday they're going to do it. But anyway, I wanted to I wanted to thank you for helping me out today because it's tough to sit here. Uh, people that haven't been, it's an interesting thing to sit in a studio of a talk show, a two-hour talk show where there's so much information that's being uh, processed and handled during the show. How that is done when when you hear TNN live, I'm it. I'm in the room by myself. Well, not by myself. Livia is on the console over here. She lays <laughs> on the console. She demands to be in the here in the studio every time we do a show. But thank you, Steve, for filling in. And I want to knock the ball into your, where are you playing, left field? I want to knock it out in left field for you <laughs> on your way out. Did you uh-huh. hear about the Edward Jacobs, Jake Lang has filed for the U.S. Supreme Court to get them to yeah. take up his challenge of the government's obstruction of Congress charge against him. And almost every yeah. other J6, that's the the underlying charge they're charging them all with, and it carries up to a 20-year prison sentence. Did you hear about that? Yes. Uh, I actually have done, I did a very long and extensive interview with Jake Lang uh, before that particular um, uh, motion or, or filing had taken place. This was a couple of months ago. He's a very interesting character in and of himself in that he is one of those who, I'm sorry to burst the bubble for everyone out there who thinks it was nothing but Antifa and BLM wearing Trump hats uh, that committed violence on January 6th. There were certainly, as I've said many times before, Dan, that there were uh, bad people who did bad, bad things that day, good people who did it, who did good things, and then uh, otherwise good people who did really stupid things. Jake Lang is one of those individuals who actually believes that he was ordained of God to be that there that day to literally fight against those law enforcement officers. And there's a famous photo of him with a, a shield, a stolen police shield, and a, an aluminum baseball bat attacking an officer. And this um, particular individual is a convoluted character, but this case that is being brought is very important nonetheless. Now, he has he has something on the order of 11 felony charges yeah, against him. A bunch of them. And, and this is only addressing yeah. that one. The uh, That's correct. The obstruction of but Congress this, charge. Right. But this particular charge, and here's, here's the nefariousness of this particular charge, is that this charge has now been added to, as they say, in superseding indictments to a lot of uh, January 6th defendants who only had misdemeanors and nonviolent misdemeanor charges against them uh, before this 
the, the government, the Department of Justice decided to start adding this on and tacking this on. And the reason they've done that is because so many of these nonviolent misdemeanor, as I call them, you know, the accidental uh, tourists, yeah. that phrase I use over and over again, they just wandered through the, the, the Capitol for a few minutes, took a couple of selfies and got the heck out of Dodge that did no violence, did no property damage, attacked no law enforcement officers. They saw an open door, hundreds of people preceded them and they went, oh, look, honey, the door's open and they walked yeah. inside the Capitol. And so now, because most of those people have been pleading down to a single misdemeanor and getting off with two years probation, uh, $500 fine, yeah. uh, maybe a few hours of community service, slap on the wrist, the, the DOJ is upset about that, and they want prison time for these people. They want prison time for everybody. everybody yeah. so, they're tacking, so they're tacking on this felony obstruction charge to many of those people who have, are just now being arrested, this next thousand that they're bringing in uh, through the dragnet that they've thrown out and received extra money for uh, in that um, last omnibus bill uh, this past year. Gotcha. So we're, this, we're out of time. We're out of time, ah. Betty. Uh, well, I, I got started too late on that. I apologize for it. You got started way too late on that story. Yeah, we'll, we'll clean it. it we'll cl yeah, we'll clean it up next week. Okay. Yeah. Or if you want to come back this week, I'm fine with it. We'll do it. Okay. We'll do it if you need help. If you All need right. help, I'll, I'm there for you, brother. All right, man. Steve Baker, he's one of our guys. He's our guy. We claim him, and we're so glad he's in our camp. Steve, have a great day, and folks. Thank you so much for being here every day. And we leave with one of Steve's favorite groups, one of their biggest hits, Chicago. And it's time to sign off, but does anybody really know what time it is? So long, everybody. Have a great day.
just 